Support for the PCTA Fire podcast comes exclusively from listeners like yourself. If you appreciate the work we're doing, please show your support by sharing the podcast on social media and leaving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast streaming service. Thanks once again for tuning in. And without any more delay, let's start the show. In the depths of the Jade Moore PCTA Union Hall, the State of the Union is now in session. I'm your Comptroller, Brennan Pickett. Dr. Anna Margiata. Hello. Ramsey Aziz. Bonjour. And your PCTA President, Mr. Lee Bryant. Hi, how's everybody doing? Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. These words by Helen Keller carry a lot of weight for those of us in organized labor and in the unions. And we'll get back to it again. But I'm going to start with a brief history lesson. It was April 1933, just 90 years ago, that the German right-wing fascist passed laws limiting the number of Jews in public schools in Germany. It was May 1933 when the fascists banned trade unions and arrested their leaders. Later that same month, Goebbels hosted the first book burnings in Nazi Germany. That was also the same year that the PCTA was founded, right here. Don't believe all the garbage talking points that the first thing people the Nazis did was take the guns. That's not true. They went after the Jewish people. They went after the unions. And they went after the books. Congratulations to the book banners and their pathetic attempts to whitewash history. The history books will not look kindly on them. The fascists targeted books that encouraged radical ideas like women having the right to vote, disabled rights, homosexual rights, and improved working conditions for workers. And that's what we're going to focus on right now, that last part, improved working conditions for workers. After the anti-fascists prevailed and the war was won, times got better in the United States thanks to organized labor and a government and a populace that had the intentional goal of spreading the economic growth broadly across all income classes. Thanks to organized labor, we had worker safety laws that meant something. Thanks to organized labor, we had child labor laws that meant something. We integrated schools We empowered women, we recognized and embraced the amazing diversity in this nation, and life was getting better and better for the labor class in this country, thanks to organized labor. Many people in the U.S. like to say or act like they believe the old quote that a rising tide lifts all boats. And for 30 post-World War II years, that was true. Between 1948 and 1979, productivity in the U.S. went up 108%. And... Compensation went up 93%. Rising tide, meet lifting boats. But then the 80s hit. Sad to say that 79 was the year I graduated high school in Tampa. So I've witnessed this destruction of the working class my entire adult life. Reagan got elected and politicians, policymakers, and corporate bigwigs began to dismantle all the things that ensured that wages rose with productivity. 
Excess unemployment was not only tolerated, but encouraged. Raises in the federal minimum wage became smaller and rarer. Tax rates on top incomes and corporations were slashed. The rich got richer, and the rest of us sat back and watched it happen. You might remember it was called supply-side economics, voodoo economics, or trickle-down economics. It was not trickle-down economics. It was trickle-on economics for the labor force and for the working poor. The labor laws were gutted by the lawmakers with growing hostility toward unions. They worked and they worked and they worked to dismantle the unions and take advantage of labor and the working poor. Between 1979 and 2020, productivity in the United States went up 65%. Compensation went up 17 41 years and worker compensation was up 17%. During that same 41 years, CEO compensation was up 940%. Let's get this straight. The Darwinian capitalists do not fear unions because unions are weak. They fear unions because they know that if the workers unite and stay united, and that means to unionize, that we will be stronger than they are. In Florida, they raised the teacher union membership density from 50 to 60% because they're afraid of the teacher unions. They spread lies about our state unions. They try to limit our union representation on campuses. They try to eliminate meaningful educator contracts. They are calling educators groomers, indoctrinators, and worse, not because we are those things, but because they are scared of us. We do not teach our kids to hate. We do not indoctrinate. We care, we accept, we love, and we worked damned hard to help our students become whole, complete human beings. The people in our state, the educators and those that support them, and the support staff that keeps the schools running, they need to stand up now. The state needs to know that educators fight back. How do we fight back? Your voice is your power. And your power is amplified when it is joined by others. We need to get membership up, not just in educator unions, but in unions. Eight years ago, the educators of Pinellas County rejected a proposed contract with an 80% no vote. Just weeks later, the county came back with nearly everything we asked for to begin with. Imagine if we went into bargaining with 80% membership. If Florida could get 80% membership in the educator unions in the state, the state government would not be able to get away with the bullying, the intimidation, the lack of autonomy in the classroom, and paying educators 48th in the nation when we have one of the largest economies in America and a massive budget surplus. School boards all over Florida know what membership numbers look like, and they know that if we bring in only 50, 51, 52%, we don't have any real power. If these numbers stay where they are, educator unions will fade away. We need to get our union membership up so that we can represent our members, so that we can have enforceable contracts, so that we can defend our students and our educators against attacks on them. We will lose that contract that we have fought to improve for decades. Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. I think that at the bargaining table, you should ask for a 940% raise. <laughs> well, my question... That's not a question, but no. Aziz. Okay, because I do have a genuine question, you know. 
the Miami public school teachers, they were able to get about, I believe, ten, a 10% raise. Yes. Um, what strategy is PCTA going to take in order to get an equivalent raise? I don't expect 10%. Miami is a much bigger county, much higher density in the union. But what are we going to do in, in order to get something equivalent? That does help. Miami does have higher teacher density in the union, so yes. that helps. Uh, we went in asking for 7.3%, which is the consumer price index inflation rate for our area. Yes. That will keep us just breaking even. Yes, but I brought that up to the to the uh, school bargaining team, the school board bargaining team. We're not trying to get rich; we're trying to be whole. And I I see your your idea, but asking for seven point three percent, just the inflation, they're not going to come back and say, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll do that." They're probably going to come back and say, "Oh, we'll give you three percent, four percent, something along those lines." In That's P- just going to put teachers back even further. In Pinellas County, we have gotten raises every year for years and that adds up after a while we we have wins last year they covered 100 percent of the uh the medical insurance and if we get three and four percent every year then the years when the inflation rate is down Mm -hmm. then we'll gain a little ground but right now the problem is the legislature the governor who's bragging about how much money florida has how much extra money florida has but they're not willing to pay especially those of us on, this is my 29th year, uh, pay the veteran teachers. Pay has actually gone down for them in physical dollars, not just with the inflation rate. So it's a tough slog and the way to change it, change the state government. What gives you hope that we're gonna receive 7.3% or anything up to that number? Uh, We're gonna gonna fight like heck. Uh, We're gonna keep working, we're gonna keep working. The, the county's already said, you know, we don't have that much money. And we're gonna, well, you know what? We all have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees. We have an exodus. There are people leaving the profession because they can get paid more with the same degree in other jobs, with less stress, by the way. I loved my students, but the stress is real. And we have to take care of these educators. They're leaving in leaps and bounds. You know, off the top of my head, I already know one person who is leaving the state of Florida and to go to another state to pursue, you know, a career in education somewhere else. What are we going to do in order to get it to 60% by January? You know, what is the union's uh, like strategy in order to do that? Because that's the biggest fear, you know, for all of us here in this table, for everyone around the county, educators in every school. What are, you know, what is our strategy in order to make it to that 60% and to maintain it? Because if we drop down below 60%, then we run the risk of decertification. Well, we have a small staff here. Uh, there are three membership services directors. We have office staff. We don't have a lot of people, but we have been busting our heinies all summer with not a lot of success, but I understand it was summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hitting the schools. I have uh, two schools I'm hitting tomorrow. We've got our staff hitting three or four schools at a time. One of the reasons I did the swag bag idea of getting goods out to people was to make people want to contact their faculty reps and force their faculty reps to kind of show up to get their stuff for them. We want to identify our, our new t-shirts or our logo. It's, it's big and beautiful and it lets everybody know, hey, I'm in the union, why aren't you? And we're encouraging people to talk to each other. What's our current membership density? Uh, the last number I had accurate was uh, 27.5%. Mm-hmm. 
And it's gone up probably since then, right? It has gone up since then, but the numbers are coming in constantly. The uh, the office staff are working just every minute they can, inputting applications as they come in, and it's it's a tough slog, but it's it's doable, and we're going to do it. I mean, I the thing I'm wondering is what would you want to be working on if we weren't so focused on survival right now? I want to work on the relationships for the teachers. I want to support them. Right now, we're not able to go out and demand a lot of the other stuff because we're so focused on on this. Right now, I'm really worried about the language that came down from the state government and protecting our our LGBTQ community in education and students, the educators and the students. I'd love to be able to spend more time working on that. But we also, in the PCTA and PESPA, our sister union for the employee uh, support, uh, we've been working on fair housing and affordable housing. Uh, I'm gonna have an interview coming up this week about the workforce housing, uh, turning Tomlinson Adult Ed Center into, into units that people can afford to live in. I'd love to be working more on that because it's so hard to live. Our support people make so little money mm-hmm. and it is so expensive in this in this county to live. I don't know how any of them can do it. What has the union been doing for like the LGBTQ students and teachers? Well, we uh, I'm meeting with the Quality Florida director tomorrow afternoon. Thursday afternoon, Thursday afternoon. I keep forgetting what day it is lately. <laughs> I'm meeting with the Equality Florida representative for our area. Uh, we try to educate. We just, uh, FEA just put out, I shared with you a few minutes ago, just put out a uh, a letter, a position paper on, on what you can do and what you can't do. But again, it goes back to, I hate to keep saying it, it's who we're electing. If we elect people that are more progressive, we'll have more progressive policies, more embracing policies. In your speech, you mentioned that there was a contract that was shut down years ago by 80%. Yeah, uh, it was seven, eight years ago. It was rejected soundly. Could you explain why it was rejected and what did we win? I was on the bargaining team. So as a member of the bargaining team, I can't speak against contracts when they're presented. I have to say, this is the best we could do. This is what we were able to get. Let's see. But a lot of that was money. A lot of that was money, and the insurance was not very giving. And we're lucky in Pinellas County. Uh, usually, we have an 80-20 split uh, with the county picking up 80% of the medical insurance costs. We are allowed to keep families on the insurance uh, when other counties don't let you keep your families on. So we have family plans that other counties don't have. But uh, it was just the wrong time to present a, a lowball contract. The people were not going to put up with it. Oh, I mean, one of the things that you said was talking about forming relationships or, well, like how we want union membership just in general to increase, like yay unions everywhere. Like, are we I trying? Do. Yeah, I do. What are we doing to try to form relationships with other unions, maybe more popular unions? Uh, I was out when the Teamsters were practicing their strike for the UPS workers. I showed up at a couple of the... Uh, the strike events, their practices, and made sure that they, they knew the teachers union was standing with them. We work with the West Florida Central Labor Council. We have a meeting coming up. We work with lots of community groups out there to try to spread the word, but we are, if you're in the PCTA, you're part of the FEA, the AFT, the uh, NEA, the largest labor union in America. We're allied with the AFL-CIO. 
Uh, we had a, a wonderful speaker the other day, Jim Gineco from the AFL-CIO. Uh, so we're, we're out there working it. Uh, I'm trying to make sure that our, our face is seen and our voices are heard. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we get back, we're going to look at some bin questions from our members. So stick around, guys. The State of the Union is a monthly series designed to address member concerns by providing direct answers from their leadership. If you'd like us to discuss your questions and concerns in the next episode, or if you are a dues-paying member who would like to participate in one of our recordings, please email us at pctafirepod at gmail.com. That's p-c-t-a-f-y-r-e-p-o-d at gmail.com. Hello there. If you support the podcast, you can now donate directly to us from the link in the description. You can donate 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 monthly. Your donation can help get me, Aziz, off the streets. Well, unfortunately, Aziz will always be on the streets. He yearns for the streets. But your support will go towards producing high-quality episodes just like the one you're listening to right now. Your support helps us keep gas in the tank, food on our tables, and our classrooms full of pencils and paper. We all know edumacators all over America are undervalued and underpaid. Help us, mooks like me, continue to bring recognition and a voice to education professionals. And we're back. And part of the State of the Union business here is we have questions written from our members. And if you are a member and you have questions to ask Mr. Lee Bryant yourself, please email us at pctafyrepod at gmail.com. And I will present these questions to Mr. Bryant when we get to our next episode. But this will be a reoccurring thing. We're going to answer some big questions, get some answers, discuss them as a group. Absolutely cool. Yeah. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, can we work or get a collaboration between Habitat for Humanity, Pinellas County School Boards, and cities like Clearwater to build housing for our members of PESPA and PCTA? Uh, right now, we're working with uh, the Affordable Housing Initiative and, and things like that. Could we? Yeah, we probably could. But it would call it would take time commitments that a lot of people are have a difficult time making. Uh, teachers are already overworked, and to ask them to give extra time up is difficult. Uh, many of them don't have the skills it would take. But we do have property in Pinellas County that is not being used, owned by Pinellas County Schools, where we could start uh, looking at it. I know uh, Superintendent Hendrick was uh, looking at property in Pinellas County that we could use. We're meeting at the uh, Tomlinson Adult Center in a couple of days to talk about the workforce housing. But uh, the time commitment is a tough one. It really is because those houses don't go up quickly, not as quickly as we would like. And we definitely need more housing in this in this county. And man, just thinking of the faculty rep meetings, like people barely have time for that sometimes it feels like. So to say they give up your weekends and build homes. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I think it's a cool idea. It's a great idea. Definitely, I would I would give up. My Saturday, you know, I gave up last Saturday to go to the the, the uh, rep training. You know, I, I do the build houses. So I think if you could excite members more about that kind of stuff, it could be a realistic goal we can reach eventually. Uh, I can't even get uh, a lot of people to show up for the Martin Luther King Jr. Parade in St. Pete. And that's uh, that's a morning. 
how do we get our staff to feel like membership is being part of a family and that we take part and take care of our family? Uh, you do that by doing it. <laughs> you, you, you just physically, emotionally connect with people. You go out and you talk to them. You find out what they're afraid of. You find out what they're passionate about and you embrace that. You try to come up with solutions when they need a solution. Not everybody wants a solution to their problem. They just want to be able to vent. They want to be able to get that problem out onto, into the atmosphere, into the air, get it off themselves for a few minutes. You, you become a family by becoming a family. You go out and you talk. You build that relationship. You listen. You talk. You just ask questions like, how are you? <laughs> What's the old saying? Uh, one mouth, two ears. You should be listening a lot more than you're talking. Yeah, absolutely. But make the make the connections. Absolutely. I I agree with that. That's really that's really well said. It's really well said. All right. I, I picked this question because it's related to us. How do we get ninety percent membership like Lee B got at St. Pete High? First of all, we didn't get ninety percent. No, I wish. But uh, <laughs> we hover around the eighty percent level. And Lee didn't do it. Lee B didn't do it. The team did it. And we made the connections again. We went out, we visited, we talked. Lee is our dad. <laughs> he is our dad. <laughs> but it, it takes good leadership. Like, this is, a con this is the current conversation we're having at St. Pete High because you're gone. So I have to now fill in big shoes. But the conversation is we have to break up this list and say, you talk to this person, you talk to this person. What did this person say? What did that person say? How do they feel about this? It's that, it's that conversation of where you're talking to your reps and you're you're not relying on one person. You're relying on a team and the team brings everyone together. That's that's always the goal. I, I, I'm a big believer in teamwork. Not doing it myself, finding people that can do it with you. I mean, I learned that from you. I told you, oh, we got to get this person in union. What did you tell me? Go talk to them. Okay. <laughs> I'll go talk to them. That's what I did. And you just get comfortable of meeting new people, talking to people, and, and people, that's how it works. You understand people, and then they're willing to trust you. In the wise words of James Baldwin himself, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. I'm your comptroller, Brennan Pickett, and this is the State of the Union. Until next month, take it easy, guys. Peace out. listeners that the Pinellas County School Board has scheduled upcoming meetings for the following dates, August 22nd, September 26th, October 10th, and November 14th at 10 a.m., as well as August 1st, September 12th, and October 24th at 5 p.m. It is of utmost importance for teachers, parents, and community members to attend these meetings and actively advocate for public education. We would also like to emphasize that the PCTA is currently engaged in negotiations to secure higher salaries for our dedicated professionals. Your presence and voice at these meetings can have a significant impact in helping us achieve our demands and foster a better educational environment for all stakeholders in our public schools. We extend a special thank you to Phil Belcastro for providing our captivating theme music and Artifact for contributing fantastic tracks during our intermissions. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Artifact's music at artifactjoints.bandcamp.com.
Furthermore, we want to express a heartfelt gratitude to our dedicated staffers at PCTA, Jamie Beck and Brian Bowden, our esteemed executive director, Lindsay Blankenbaker, PCTA president, Lee Bryant, PESPA president, Nellie Henez, and all of our supporters within the podcast community. Your unwavering support and dedication has been instrumental in keeping us motivated for the challenges ahead. That's it for today. I'm Brennan Pickett. Peace out, guys.